0: Hello and welcome to Software Tech Talks. I'm Zoe Cunningham. Hello and welcome to Software Tech Talks. Today we're going to talk about diversity and inclusion in the workplace and I am joined by Sasha. Hello. Who is the, what is your title?
1: Oh, I'm the diversity representative, I think, for, it's part of the CSR initiative here so I am involved in helping in
0: charitable and social responsibility causes around diversity. Among your other many jobs. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, indeed. (laughs) Have you got a fun fact?
1: Yeah, I once played a viking thug in a Norwegian comedy film despite not speaking any Norwegian. Very good. Did you learn some? Yes.
0: <laughs> a very small
1: amount. <laughs>
0: you can say "Oi, you peasant" in No, Norwegian, I can say "no" and "cold chicken." Oh, fab. That was that was it. That was all I had to do. <laughs> I'm also joined by Lorraine, a software developer at Softwire. Hello, Lorraine. Hi. Do you have a fun fact?
2: I know all of the lyrics to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme oh, song. So all of them. All of the lyrics. Oh,
0: I don't think we have time otherwise. No, I thank like you. <laughs> I'll pass on uh, <laughs> proving that today. And finally, I'm joined by Matt Fairweather, Hello. who works in recruitment for Softwater. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thank you. Do you have a fun fact for us?
3: Yeah, I'm probably the only British guy that prefers Vegemite to Marmite. Oh, controversial. Very controversial, yeah. I know. know. (laughs) Uh,
0: Those are fantastic fun fact guys. Thank you very much. And let's get on with talking about diversity and inclusion. Today we're going to talk about what it means to the tech industry and what we're doing at Softwire to improve our own diversity and inclusion. And I want to kick off with a quote by Leila Janna, talent is distributed equally among society, but opportunity is not. So I think that forms a good basis for our discussion today when we talk about diversity and inclusion. So we all know that diversity and inclusion are good for business. And according to a report by McKinsey, companies in the top quartile for racial and ethnic diversity are 35% more likely to have financial returns above their respective national industrial median. So my first question is, why is this? Why is it that diversity and inclusion is so important and that businesses are seeing such a clear financial return on that?
1: I mean, I think it's just that the more different kind of backgrounds and the more different perspectives that you've got in any business is going to give you a better idea of what possible things you could come up against. It's going to give you a wider variety of ideas and more different voices at the table. It's just going to give you more options and people are going to come up with different perspectives that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. If everyone's from basically an identical background, then their way of thinking is likely to be much more similar.
0: Right. So this is the idea if if you have a bunch of people who all think exactly the same thing, then you have, you've only got one thing. Mm. <laughs> Whereas if you have other points of view, then mm. you're getting a lot more value mm. from someone who's different than from someone who is the same. Yeah. You're also more likely
1: to get, I guess, positive
0: feedback on that idea from those same
1: people. So you're more likely to have everyone think that something is a good idea without having someone say, actually, I think it's a bad idea for this reason.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point.
3: For, like, line managers, if you're a female and you've got a male line manager, sometimes it can be slightly difficult to talk about issues, whereas if you've got more females within the company to talk to about serious matters, it can be easier to do that if they're of the same gender sometimes.
0: Right, that actually there are certain... We all have certain topics that we will be more comfortable raising with some people rather than with yeah. other people. And actually, perhaps it's not even just about your line manager, like your line manager being the same as you, but having a range of people that you could go and talk to. Yeah. So that, so you're not just stuck with someone who perhaps has very different experiences from you. And, and perhaps even sometimes you can raise an issue with someone and they can just not understand it. So maybe it's not even necessarily people aren't raising them if you're raising something and, and someone doesn't understand it, perhaps, you know, to have the opportunity to go and talk to someone else is really valuable. Mm-hmm.
2: I also think it's just far more interesting, actually. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love talking to people who've got different experiences than me, different backgrounds. We, we're all, we all have our kind of world view and, like, biases, and it's just so interesting to hear when someone has a different perspective from you. And I just think, you know... If, if everyone's the same as comfortable as it might feel I don't think it does very much for like personal growth or even just learning I think you know companies are forever looking at what other companies are doing and what other you know countries are doing even that are innovative you're borrowing from other places you know you should do that in terms of culture as well and gender and all the other ways yeah all the different things that you can be diverse that I think it's just yeah I love to hear other perspectives personally I think it's far more interesting than everyone being the same.
0: And I think that's a slightly different perspective on what Sasha was saying, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Because Sasha's kind of talking about different people come with different ideas. But actually, if we all have the opportunity, there's something in the synthesis of those Mm. ideas together to actually go, well, I have this experience and now I understand about your experience that allows my brain to do its brain magic and put them together and come up with this new idea that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Mm. There was also a study done, I think, around how when you're interacting with
1: more diverse people, particularly people who are different from you, you actually think harder. So you make more of an effort around what you're saying and what you're thinking about rather than just kind of saying what you would have said originally and not necessarily caring about the words that you're saying as well as much. And that's just quite interesting.
0: That is very interesting. Yeah. And I suppose it's not always positive. No, do not necessarily. Or, yeah.
1: But it's it is interesting that you as a result because I guess you're slightly out of your comfort zone to some extent because you don't know automatically what everyone else is thinking and you don't expect everyone else to automatically agree with you that you're actually thinking more about what
0: you're putting out into the room at that point yeah so they're, they're more well considered mm-hmm. ideas and thoughts there was a little follow-up question I wanted to ask to this because I have been reasonably involved in diversity and inclusion at software, and hence talking to other businesses. And I feel like this concept that diversity and inclusion is good for business and this particular McKinsey report is quite well known. So I have a little bit of a follow up question, which is, Why do we still have to keep reinforcing this? Like, why is it still a question? I appreciate you might not have an answer for that. (laughs) But it is what occurs to me when I think, wow, you know, why is it that we have to keep justifying it over and over again? When, as Lorraine says, there are kind of like, there are initial benefits from it, even without having to have 35% increase in your returns. I mean
2: I tend to think I'm not, I'm not an expert on this I tend to think it's a comfort thing I think when you kind of get in the same room as someone you've got a similar background similar kind of frame of reference and understanding it's just so much easier to communicate like Sasha said you don't have to work hard to do it oh I agree with you yeah I agree with you too it's great <laughs> you oh know. we both went to x place <laughs> how brilliant yeah. um, and I think it is a lot easier to work with people that are like you and I think you know companies often when they're interviewing talk about cultural fit you know what does that actually look like depends on your cultural background right and Um, what does it
0: mean cultural fit fit literally means like (laughs) other people who are there right yeah um, fitting in with them
2: but and I think this is why I think there is a balance to be had between obviously if if you're only around people who are like you you're missing out on all the benefits and the creativity that comes with diversity. Similarly, if you're the only one of you in a company, it's really hard because you have to work so hard to communicate and to be understood. So there is, I think, a nice balance to be had where you're... But I think it does take effort to move from that comfortable place into that kind of, you know, getting that balance right where actually we do have to work a bit harder to hear each other and understand each other. So...
0: I think there is something about like diversity breeds diversity that once you have an open culture and people who are used to interacting with different types of people, mm. it's easier to broaden that out. And that's why there are a lot of organizations trying to do things like get that first woman onto the board or get boards. I know that there's an organization called the 30% Club that is aiming to get the boards of the large companies to be 30% female. And actually, there's been some research done that being in a very low minority often means you don't get the benefits of the diverse thinking because people just don't share it or they're just Mm. not or the the environment isn't accepting of it. So actually, you need to get to about 25 percent, 30 percent in order for people to actually be able to use that information and, and bring it into the system. So I think that's very interesting as well.
1: I think as well, there is still there is still very much a culture of bias. People will still be being turned down for reasons that they shouldn't be being turned down. So at that point, it makes it harder for that diversity to happen in the first place, which makes it harder to convince people that it should be happening. There is often a kind of pushback, which is like, oh, well, surely you should just be hiring the best candidate right. rather than hiring <laughs> someone who's diverse. And And every time that comes down to this, well, if you had two identical candidates, which is a bizarre concept, which is just impossible and is generally used, I think, by people who aren't comfortable with the idea of diversity and who are feeling somewhat threatened by it. And often, unfortunately, they are people in decision making positions and it's just going to take time to change that culture and a lot of that is just about continuing to push people out of their comfort zones and show people that diversity isn 't something to be scared of, and it actually benefits everyone in the long term mm. but uh, but yeah, as Lorraine was saying, I think it is a comfort thing. A lot of people don 't want to be taken out of their comfort zone by people who who aren
0: 't like them. That reminds me of my other pet hate phrase, which is uh, lowering the bar oh. as, if we, <laughs> as if we get jobs by like literally jumping over this this uniform bar, and we 're not all all different shapes anyway. All right, fabulous. Let's talk a bit more about practicalities then of diversity and inclusion um, within an organisation. So, what kind of metrics are sensible to use? So, I think that there are there are metrics that you can use. There's obviously very stark, you know, what numbers of employees you have, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But but what is a good way to measure success?
2: I think you have to define success first <laughs> before you measure it. So if we were to say this is a diverse workplace, what would that look like? And I guess you'd want it to reflect the society that you're living in, the city that you're living in, potentially the industry that you're working in to some degree. So, you know, we know that roughly there's 50-50 men and women. (laughs) So if you're not finding that you've got that level of split in the workplace, you know, you just have to ask a few questions and check how your metrics add up and I mean, it's not always so easy as that. You have to kind of look at the whys, and Mm. some of this stuff stems back decades in terms of, you know. But I think it's a starting point to just think about okay, well, what kind of society do we live in? What are the, how diverse is our society? The bits that we can't control, the location we're Mm. in, and then kind of track back from there.
1: I think another important metric that often gets forgotten is not how many employees who are, you know, diverse that you have at the time, but what your retention rate is for them Mm. as well. Because sure, if you're hiring, yeah, like say loads and loads of women and then they're not staying or they're unhappy or you're not promoting them, then there's no point in you doing that in the first place and you're doing it for the wrong reason. So while metrics are good, particularly in terms of kind of hiring targets, I think you often also just have to take a look at the picture as a whole and see... And this is part of more inclusivity than diversity, necessarily. It's about making people feel like they can be at your company and stay there, and like they will progress
3: while they're there. I think if you look at the metrics as well of just the ratio of male to female within IT, that immediately makes it way more difficult to attract females to come and work for a fully-fledged IT software development company. Obviously, something that a lot of companies like ourselves have struggled with for a long, long time. You just need to take that little bit of extra time and energy and and obviously have an an internal resource to find people for you. That frees up a little bit of time. Whereas if you are working for a recruitment agency, so from a recruitment point of view, you're targeted by getting bums on seats, not necessarily the quality or the fact that it is women being put on them seats.
0: Yeah, so essentially it's it's achievable. It's just something you need to invest more effort in. And time is
3: is the big thing. So yeah if we if we need somebody for a project tomorrow, well we can't guarantee that that person's going to be a male or a female it's sort of it's deemed by how urgent that requirement is again from a recruitment point of view anyway
0: yeah, and then you're going to reflect the people who are out there immediately available. At Software, obviously, we spend a lot of time trying to encourage younger children mm-hmm. to to look at their career options and consider technology. But obviously, if you need a project manager tomorrow, <laughs> you can't like yeah. w- wait for a 10-year-old who came last week and thought it was really exciting to uh, to grow up and train and, and come work here. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. So what, what are the other internal processes then? Because like you said, Sasha, it's important to look at the whole situation holistically, to not just say... What are our targets? Are we hitting those targets? Great job done. But actually, what are the other things that we're doing at Softwire to improve? I mean, to cement and improve, I guess, diversity and inclusion.
1: Yeah, so I mean, one of the big things we have is that we have a diversity working group. So we get together once a month and have a meeting where anyone who's interested in diversity and inclusivity within software can come along, bring ideas. We normally have someone nominate a topic that we want to particularly speak about and address that week. And as a result, we get yeah, metrics shared by the directors and target set and we also talk a lot around culture and we've already made like quite a lot of changes that in terms of the actual sort of infrastructure are quite small but make big differences like for example on our uh, hiring application so when you apply to software now you're asked what your preferred pronouns are and that is a tiny tiny change in terms of the effort that we had to put in but it makes a big difference to a lot of people. Right, it's like adding a field in a in a table. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But that is a that is a big part of a lot of people's lives. So it's important that you allow people, you show people this is the kind of thing that we're thinking about and it also just makes people feel more welcome because the fact that you've thought about that shows that it is a safe space and shows that that person is immediately much more welcome than if you just hadn't thought of doing that.
0: Yeah.
2: I completely agree. I think, like, that kind of awareness as a company is the first step and having that working group, bringing in people who actually care about diversity, who can kind of say, actually, you might not have thought that this could be a problem. And, you know, I know for me, that was like, oh, yes, of course, because, you know, that's not my experience. I don't have to think about that. But by bringing the conversation, like making the conversation happen, you actually can put these small things in place yeah and i think it's yeah that's such a good thing just to be talking about it and be aware
0: something that i found is that the whole scope of diversity a bit like you were saying earlier lorraine it's so broad and actually Once you start thinking about, well, hold on, what are the different areas that we want to think about? And then some of those areas within themselves. So I know we've been having some discussions recently about neurodiversity, but beyond that, to talk about disability, like, actually, that feels like, you know, it feels like people say, oh, yeah, we have, we have a policy of equal employment for um, people with all disabilities. But actually, those individuals all have very, very different experiences. It's not, it's not like a a one size fits all Um, so that whole area then requires quite a lot of specialist knowledge in lots of different ways or a way of saying well actually how do we make our system flexible so that we can cope when people are different in ways that we don't even know how they're going to be different Mm.
1: Yeah, and I mean, as you were saying earlier, Zoe, one of my many different job titles <laughs> is—I um, guess I conduct a lot of accessibility audits at software. So that's helping to make software available to use for people who, for example, use screen readers or who have low sort of motor control skills. Just yeah, the the broad variety of things you should consider when you're building these things is is massive but actually gets a lot easier the earlier you think about it. And that's very much the same with diversity. If you think about things from the beginning rather than as something that you need to fix when the problem is already made, then it it just, it makes it much, much easier. And you can do that by things like making sure that you have flexible working hours. So if people are parents and they need to go pick up kids from school and things, then they can do that. And, or, you know, again, if you just have people with disabilities, that kind of thing helps them take the time that they need, particularly if their energy levels are low. And it's just small things like that, that again, it's not that much of a cultural change initially. And it's certainly not something that's difficult to implement at the very start, but it can be difficult to implement if you say end up with a culture of everyone working exactly nine to five and no one leaving their desks or people being available all of the time. It makes it much harder then to change that than if you've started with something at the very beginning
0: that makes it easy for lots of different people. Right, and particularly if you need to change it just for one person. Exactly. Who who is then not fitting in with what the expectations are already. Yeah. Let's have a chat about what are the kind of things you can do at the recruitment side, because I I think that we kind of just said, well, it's no good recruiting if you're not inclusive once you have recruited people. But I actually think it goes both ways because something that's been very important to software ever since we started is inclusion and making sure that we listen to people and respect their voices. However, if we predominantly are made up of of a certain type of people, then we're only ever going to be able to reflect their voices. So actually... Yes, we we need to make sure the inclusion piece is there, but we also need to worry about diversity. So, Matt, maybe you could um, tell us a bit about, on the recruitment side, what kind of things you can do.
3: There's a few things touching on what Sasha was saying. So the wording on our job descriptions, as an example. So taking words out like ambitious or challenging or things like dominate in in sort of a sales-type role, Mm. um, because those immediately will sort of deter female applicants because they're very very aggressive kinds of words there's also obviously we've got a little bit more time now we I've got sort of a a longer term view of what we want to do rather than the here and the now so having that more more time really allows me to be able to source more female candidates different ranges of candidates and that kind of thing as well and yeah we've we've done as well a, an employee an internal survey um just to find out why people were attracted to software in the first place so doing that we can work out whether or not it's something that we've missed and and sort of learn from that really
0: and I guess learn what are the things that maybe people have seen elsewhere that they're yeah, like, oh, exactly. <laughs> this is great. Maybe we could have this at Software.
3: Yeah, exactly that. And we haven't had the results back yet, so <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, probably uh, a week early.
0: And does it matter where, in terms of looking for candidates, are there particular places it's better to be aiming for or not aiming for? If you're just waiting pe- for people to come to you, is that going to get w- what you want?
3: because of the specifics of what we look for because it's a very very particular type of profile it's already difficult to find good people so to then to put a spin on that and say we would also like females makes it even more difficult i think we very rarely get people that apply to us just because of our brand awareness i think at the moment but when i'm going to market um, i do specifically look for females as and when, but it, it sort of depends on how urgent the requirement is.
0: Yeah, so it's a question of, like, doing the research. And I guess you're, you're kind of researching individual people almost. Is that how it works? Or is it more that you, there are job boards where you can go to, to?
3: Yeah, so things like LinkedIn, obviously, are really, really helpful um, because you've got, you can immediately see male or female or whatever from a, from a profile picture. Job boards, yeah, s- similar sort of story. But there, there isn't really any, at the moment anyway, sort of groups or job boards dedicated to females or dedicated mm. to a particular type of employee. So if you're looking for a project manager, there's not a project management job board. Uh, there's not a job board for females. So maybe if somebody wants to come up with an idea to do that, it might be, might be a good one. But n- nothing that makes my life easier just yet anyway.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting difference that we've seen because we do a lot of graduate recruitment, obviously, at software as well. So you're you're looking at experienced yeah. hires, whereas on the graduate side, we're starting to find that universities are now really good at having groups within the universities where there's, for example, like a women in STEM group or um, yesterday I went to talk to the Oxford Afro-Caribbean Society. So actually, that's fantastic in terms of, finding groups of people and letting them know about software whereas perhaps in the wider world we'll have to keep looking.
3: Mm -hmm. Indeed we will.
1: (laughs) I think a lot of companies when they're thinking about what benefits they want to provide you know there are some easy ones like flexible working hours. One of the things about software that quite impressed me when I arrived was one of our benefits is we get free manicures occasionally Mm -hmm. and that is something that genuinely quite surprised me because it's a traditionally quite female pastime or like thing to do (laughs) I guess but it was something that was open to the whole company people of all genders go and use it it's a really nice thing to have and it's again quite a small thing which often you know you get budget for sort of just like beer and pizza and having that variety of things that are also just about kind of like well-being and taking like a little bit of time for yourself and to relax and like care about yourself that is a very different genre of benefit that people can think about a lot as well because yeah you know there's things like having fruit in the office and flexible working hours but things as well like yeah that sort of self-care that taking that time out as well even if it's not something you traditionally expect an office to provide, like free manicures, for example, is just really nice. And it's something that made me feel, it just was something I thought, wow, it's amazing they've even thought of doing this. And, uh, and I continue to think that whenever I get them.
0: (laughs) It just sends a slightly different message, doesn't it? Rather than like beer, pizza, paintball, go-karting to actually go, well, there are some other things on offer here as well.
1: Yeah. And it's not a social thing necessarily. Like obviously there's, you know, you can go to the pub and that's nice to be social, but it's a thing you can just do for yourself as well. And it doesn't matter what you choose to do with it, but it's then something that you can kind of look at and be like, oh, I'm glad I got that that done and it's one of those nice little sort of long time
0: reminders as well so we are all now looking at sasha's nails that's that's what's going (laughs) on right now they're great that is incredible thank you so much sasha lorraine and matt and join us next time on software tech talks you can listen to software tech talks on soundcloud spotify and all other podcast apps